Hello and welcome to episode 253 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always joined by Evan Silva, and we are coming off of a very, very solid week. Exciting times coming out of week three with a lot of confidence. Evan, back in the mix. How's it going? It's going well, yeah. Coming off a, a big kicker week, a big Josh Allen week and a very poor Justin Fields week. Oh, dear God. We're going to get to Justin Fields here in a second on today's show. And each Tuesday this season, Evan and I are going to go team by team, highlighting the most important things we saw from a fantasy perspective and key takeaways. Before we get into it, two things. First, if you have not subscribed to our in-season package yet, you are missing 95% of the content we put out each week. We do have weekly and monthly options available on the site now. If you just want to check it out, head to the subscribe page. Second, this show is brought to you by our friends at prizepicks.com. The prop streets are overflowing with opportunity right now. That includes prize picks if you're in New York or California or Texas or a bunch of other states without a legal sports book. Prize picks is legal and regulated. We're posting a table each week to compare our projections to the prize picks prop lines to give you a sense of where we stand on their props. If you want to give them a try, this week, they are offering 100% instant deposit bonus. You don't have to play through. Instant deposit bonus up to $100. Use promo code ETR to get the best deal or use the link in the show notes. Again, promo code ETR at prizepicks.com for the instant deposit bonus and the best deal. All right, Evan, let's get into it here with the NFC and we'll start with the Arizona Cardinals. And I don't have a lot to say about the Arizona Cardinals in terms of the Rondale Moore tracker ran a route on 37% of Kyler's dropbacks in week one. Went up to 57% in week two, but disappointingly in week three, he was back down to 35% as they controlled the second half against the Jaguars. But make no mistake, Christian Kirk is the number three wide receiver for the Cardinals. James Conner scores two touchdowns. What do you see out of the Cardinals win down in Jacksonville? Yeah, Rondell Moore uh, has been the fourth receiver for the Cardinals in each of their three games. So until there's a changing of the guard there, we're going to have to anticipate uh, high highs and, and low lows because he's going to have to do a lot with a little. Um, and so he's going to be inconsistent going forward. I think that we've uh, established a clear um, you know, distribution in the Cardinals backfield that Chase Edmonds is going to be the guy between the 20s. He's going to be the guy in the passing game. James Conner is going to be the guy at the goal line and in clock killing situations. And, and those are their roles. Kyler Murray has been highly consistent whether it's been, you know, DeAndre Hopkins uh, battling an injury or you know, A.J. Green being very inefficient in week one. Um, Kyler Murray has been really consistent, over nine yards for pass attempt in each of the Cardinals' first three games. I know we didn't have a big fantasy game this week, but they're going to continue to come uh, in droves because he's playing at a really, really high level as a passer. He's taking the next step as a passer this season. All right, let's go to the Atlanta Falcons. And, uh, you know... I'm worried, Evan. We were uh, on the train that Arthur Smith is a sharp dude, that Arthur Smith was going to come here and use his pieces optimally. Um, there is major concern now that Arthur Smith is sliding up on the fake sharp scale. Yeah. Like, not quite the Cliff Kingsbury fake sharp scale, but maybe. Maybe he's approaching Cliff Kingsbury on the fake sharp scale. The way he's using Kyle Pitts. I mean, Kyle Pitts ran 35 routes on 41 Matt Ryan dropbacks and saw three targets. I mean, he's not getting him on linebackers and safeties. He's on cornerbacks. They used the number five overall pick on this dude. 
Matt Ryan could be totally dusted. I mean, I thought the way that it would go bad for Calvin Ridley or Kyle Pitts this year was either Matt Ryan is dusted or Arthur Smith is a fake sharp. And now it looks like it could be both. So I have major, major concerns about Atlanta right now. Is there any hope for Pitts and Ridley? I think it's a combination of Arthur Smith definitely not, you know, calling plays and designing the offense optimally, but also that they just don't trust their offensive line. Matt Ryan has a six-yard A dot. He hasn't attempted a single pass of 20-plus yards downfield in three games. The Falcons are 32nd in offensive DVOA, and I think it's a combination of the quarterback and the offensive line and definitely some subpar uh, you know, designing by Arthur Smith, but it's, I don't know. Can, can we expect this to get better? I don't know. At least Calvin Ridley has a, a nice, strong, I think a 25% target share. Um, he's seen what nine, 10 and 11 targets in each of the three games, but expectations that he was going to have a, like a monster season in terms of yardage, making a lot of big plays. We really got to scale that back. It's, you know, he is locked in as the Falcons number one receiver and Kyle Pitts is locked in as their number two pass catcher. And it's still like, you know, they're, they're still not getting home. I mean, it's, it's been a really frustrating start. I mean, they do have a reasonable schedule coming up. Washington defense, which has struggled pretty badly. Jets, Dolphins, Panthers coming up. I mean, there's some opportunities here, but man, ah, it is really tough to have any confidence right now. Absolutely hate to see it on Arthur Smith. Because of Carolina, Patterson continues to ease yeah. the the backfield toward like an almost near uh, even rotation, and I mean mm-hmm. he's made plays in the passing game where other he led the team in receiving last week. Yep, you know so he's not going away. Let's go to Carolina, where one of the biggest stories of the week in fantasy was Christian McCaffrey's hamstring injury. Have the data here on how running backs were used after CMC left that game on Thursday per Dwayne McFarlane. So after CMC left, Chuba Hubbard, 73% of the snaps, 100% of the long down and distance, 66% of the short down and distance, 100% of the two-minute drill snaps, 72% route run per pass play, and 22% target share for Chuba Hubbard. We saw this last year when I was messing around and calling Mike Davis 90% CMC. This scheme is so, so, so running back friendly. Now, CMC is not going to run into reserve, so that suggests that maybe he'll only miss one, two, three weeks, but he's going to definitely miss this week, and I'd suggest probably at least one more after that, and I think Chuba Hubbard is going to play very, very, very well. What's your outlook on Chuba Hubbard? How are you handling adding him on waivers in your leagues? I mean, he's a big-time waiver priority. No no question about that. He's owned in most of my main event leagues. You know, I mean, the 20-man roster is there. He's going to be owned, but... Um, you know, anywhere that he isn't, he should easily be the number one waiver wire pickup. Uh, it, it is a really good situation. You know, as you mentioned, it's a very reliable scheme. It's a scheme that almost like works to feed fantasy points to the running back. Um, Sam Darnold is hitting his back foot and getting the ball out. The Panthers are three and oh, they have a really good defense, which is going to keep them in games and neutral scripts and also give them rushing friendly, uh, you know, favorable scripts that will be, will further benefit Chubba Hubbard. So, um, yeah, really, really good situation for him to be jumping into. What do you think of Chubba Hubbard coming out? I mean, did you have any take on him coming out of college? Yeah, I mean, I thought he was, you know, he was okay. He's a fourth-round pick. He's, you know, he, he was solid. Um, I don't think that he was spectacular. You know, he was – he's kind of like just a replacement-level player. 
Um, but, you know, that's all you need, as we saw really with Mike Davis last year, as you mentioned. So, um, yeah, he's, he's going to he'll, he'll be excellent in fantasy. He'll be an RB2 every week with RB1 upside. Two small notes. I'm a little worried because I do like the Panthers defense a lot. They did lose J.C. Horn to a broken foot and mm-hmm. he could miss the entire year. Small note there. And another small note, they traded away Dan Arnold uh, this week. They obviously like Tommy Tremble. I mean, not, a, not a, no impact for fantasy, I don't think, because they don't throw to the tight end enough. But just wanted to note that. Let's get yeah, to one of the other um, big... I like the move that they made for C.J. Henderson, though. And he really fell out of favor quickly uh, with Urban Meyer, the new mm-hmm. coach, you know, in Jacksonville. But, man, he had some really nice moments in the first half of last year playing, like, man coverage. Uh, so I, I, I like that that move by Carolina in the wake of losing J.C. Warren. Let's get to one of the other big stories of the week, and that was the Justin Fields absolute meltdown. Bears absolute meltdown. I mean... My God, it's only it's only been one and a half games, and it wasn't great spots. I mean, the OLDL mismatch for the Bears against Cleveland was laughable, as Thorne pointed out before the game. But I think we have to be concerned about Justin Fields right now, and it's obvious that like the first chance the Bears get, they're going to go back to Andy Andy Dalton at this point. That could be as soon as this week, home against Detroit. We will see. I mean, obviously Matt Nagy's going to take a lot of the blame here. How much do you think is blame on him? How much do you think is Justin Fields? not being ready. What you see out of Justin Fields first NFL it's start? It's a lot of blame on Matt Nick. It's a lot of blame because they are essentially erased his strengths in week three against Cleveland because they did, they did five man protections. Um, and they, in, in order to uh, comp- mitigate the, the pass rush off the edge from Jadeveon Clowney and, um, and Miles Garrett, their plan was to just get the ball out quickly. But when you play that kind of game, which is really an offense that is suited for Andy Dalton, not Justin Fields, you're not going, you're, you're taking away uh, Justin Fields ability to throw the ball downfield, which was one of his greatest strengths coming out of college. And you're also, and they didn't call any design runs for Justin Fields. So you're taking away his two greatest strengths, vertical passing ability and his dynamic dual threat playmaking ability. And you just, I mean, you just, you know, put your your quarterback in a situation where he's going to fail. And because of the five-man protection, Miles Garrett just went off against Jason Peters. Jason Peters just cannot block Miles Garrett at this stage of Jason Peters' career. So it was a, an abysmal game plan, and there was an abysmal result. Ridiculous. I played Justin Fields. I should be humiliated and, bar- and ashamed myself actual U.S. dollars on Justin Fields. I thought his floor was like legit like 10 points. I mean, dude had three DraftKings points. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous. You did get the under on his uh, rushing yard prop. We did hit the under easily on his rushing yard, on his rushing yard props. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dallas Cowboys. You know, one thing I noticed in that game, they went to way more two tight end personnel, a lot of Jarwin and a lot of Schultz against the Eagles. And that was probably because they were winning for most of the game, but not much Cedric Wilson. Not much Noah Brown. You know, I don't really have a lot to say other than the the Chargers were able to slow them down, but I'm starting to think that the Chargers are going to slow down a lot of pass games this year with the way Brandon Staley is designing things. So now they get the Panthers next Do the Cowboys. Really, really interesting game for DFS, which we'll talk about a lot more on Friday. But yeah, I didn't see a lot that's notable or new out of the Cowboys. I mean, at this point, we know what's going to happen with Pollard and Zeke. Pollard is getting three, is getting full series at a time. Anything for you on the Dallas Eagles game last night? Yeah, I think that Zeke has looked better every week. Um, you know, there was concern. I think that some of it was valid in week one against Tampa Bay. But we can look back in hindsight and be like, 
It was against Tampa Bay. You know, mm-hmm. what running back ever looks good against Tampa Bay? Um, Dak is just playing at an incredibly high level right now. I mean, he, this guy has gotten better every single season. His football IQ, like the way that he navigates the pocket, even when, you know, there's traffic and chaos, um, he, taking what the defense gives you. I mean, what did the defense give him in, in this particular game? It was, you know, it was the tight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, the, the game plans have been excellent. I mean, their offense is an absolute juggernaut. This is what we wanted to happen last season. We're getting it now. Let's go to the Detroit Lions. And the DeAndre Swift thing is happening, man. I mean, we talked about it on this pod a couple of weeks ago. DeAndre Swift as a form of the Alvin Kamara role. Dude is on pace for 107 catches. He's also gotten 54% of the running back carries. And that includes four carries inside the 10-yard line, which is top 11 in the league. I mean, you know... The lines are bad. That helps DeAndre Swift. And Jared Goff is not incapable, especially in garbage time, though. And that helps DeAndre Swift also. So, yeah, I mean, DeAndre Swift is looking like one of the better picks that you could have made in full PPR in round four or five. I'm not sure Mm -hmm. how long it will sustain, and it probably won't sustain in games they're actually playing well. But for now, I mean, DeAndre Swift looks like an awesome, awesome pick. Anything out of the Lions for you in kind of a wild game against the Ravens? No, I mean, the the Lions being a bad team, which, I mean, that's not going to change that actually is working in the favor of DeAndre Swift. And I think, I think that's something that we can consider to be bankable over the rest of the season. Yeah, for sure. Um, Packers. Nothing surprising out of the Packers. We know how they're going to play. You know, I actually had a bet on uh, Alan Lazard under 30 and a half receiving yards, and he finished that game with one target. And the one target went for 42 receiving yards. It was so tilting. Yeah. But yeah, they played was, the Steelers. It was early in the game, so he oh, lost it was just... early in the game just immediate death right away. It was so painful. Um, I think some people are concerned on Big Bob Tanyan, only eight targets through three games for Big Bob Tanyan. How would you handle him in season long heading into this game against the Steelers? Well, I mean, I'd probably keep rolling him out there. I mean, it's, you know, he's, he's a touchdown dependent guy. And I think the touchdowns will start to pick up, but um, it's just, it's it's not easy to find good tight ends in fantasy. I mean, you know, you you start messing around with, you know, Mike Jasicki who's going to be, you know, highly inconsistent or, you know, I don't know, some guys that, you know, what are you going to do, grab Tommy Tremble off the waiver wire? I mean, it's not, you know, it's just he's he's a low-end tight end one, high-end tight end two, you know, but there's like a million of those guys. Yeah, for sure. And I would throw, just you mentioned Jasicki, I would throw Conklin into the mix there who we'll talk about oh, yeah. also. Um, well, Conklin, Conklin's a stud. <laughs> okay uh rams i mean this cooper cup stuff i talked about it for a little bit on the solo pod i mean cooper cup is like breaking everything right now leads the nfl and catches in yards in receiving touchdowns obviously the breakfast narrative has turned true cooper cup is unstoppable i thought it was interesting deshaun jackson got back into the mix after running just three routes in week two he ran 17 routes on 41 stafford dropbacks in week three 17 routes isn't really going to be enough for me to be excited about adding him or starting him in season long but is what it is I also thought it was notable that Sony Michelle played a ton I mean 95 percent of the running back carries 100 percent of the running back targets really good for Sony Michelle with Daryl Henderson out Daryl Henderson I think will end up questionable for this week four game with his rib issue and shout out to you Evan for being so staunch on Tyler Higby going back to the Tyler Higby well because I was a little bit shaky on going back to Tyler Higby I ended up going back to him instead of paying up for TJ Hawkinson and that made a big 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 difference as Higby was very involved in the offense Sunday really good win for the Rams what'd you see out of their win over the over the Bucks? 
Yeah, I saw some people saying that he had a hamstring injury during the game. He was actually cramping, and he missed, I don't know, he missed a few plays. This was the first game where he didn't play 100% of the snaps. He played 75%, but it was because of the cramping. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he probably would have played 100% again. Um, you know, I think that Matthew Stafford, and I like Kyler Murray as the early MVP leader through two weeks. I think that Matthew Stafford uh, deserves discussion in there. Like if you're looking at MVP, MVP beat bets right now, and I don't know what his odds are because I, I haven't looked, but I know that they were like 20 to one before the season. He just, he has done exactly what, um, you know, you, you could have, ex- it's been the, the absolute peak performance of what you could have expected because the Rams are able to take their offense to a new level. I mean, you see this vertical passing game. This was, that was never going to happen with Jared Goff under center on these rollouts where, where the, the Rams are getting him on bootlegs. Matthew Stafford is just killing teams outside the pocket. His pass protection has been impeccable so far. And then look at this schedule through week 16. Um, I'm not going to read it all, but I mean, they have an, an incredible schedule the yeah. rest of the way. I mean, I, I, you know, the, I don't think it's premature to say that the Rams are absolutely a, a Super Bowl contender. And Matthew Stafford is an MVP contender because their offense is just, I mean, Sean McVay is feeling it right now. Yeah. Uh, Kyler Murray is plus 750 to be the MVP, but then the second choice is Patrick Mahomes and Matthew Stafford, both at plus mm-hmm. 800, eight to one to be the MVP. Yeah. So certainly short, short odds on Matthew Stafford, but he's certainly uh, in the mix and uh, the schedule. I mean, NFC West schedules are so good this year. Mm-hmm. Vikings. So, I mean, this Alexander Madison thing, you know, and people are going to joke, you know, Alexander Madison, 90% Dalvin, just like so obvious, you know, that like he can do what Dalvin was going to do at a really high level. So many screenplays for Alexander Madison too. They didn't change the game plan at all. Like what they would have done with Dalvin is what they did with Madison. Mentioned Tyler Conklin earlier, you know, um, Tyler Conklin, the tight end can get lost in this offense from game to games. But Tyler Conklin's a good athlete. Dude can play, man, and you saw it in this game. So it's going to be inconsistent. Like, there's going to be two and three target games for, for Tyler Conklin because that's just the way this offense goes sometimes. But Tyler Conklin can play, and he can have big games like he showed. What you see out of Minnesota's game against the Seahawks? Justin Jefferson was just relentless. I mean, in terms of his route running, his ability to get just wide open. I mean, he was wide open on a ton of players along the sideline in the, in the middle of the field in this one. Tyler Conklin was a physical beast after the catch. Uh, in week three, seven for 70 and a touchdown on eight targets. He's He's been solid, man. I mean, we I've been tr- trotting him out in, in main event, and he's been good. Yeah. Let's go to the New Orleans Saints. And they're two and one, you know, I get it. But the way they're playing is so fantasy unfriendly. I mean, Jameis has 21, 22, and 20 pass attempts in three games. They're playing like 1950s football. He hasn't topped 148 pass yards in any of the three games. I mean, when they play well, like they did against the Patriots on Sunday, Kamara is going to get 20, 25 carries. He's going to score touchdowns. I get it. But like, it's really hard for me to have any confidence in really anyone here. And I'm not even really that excited to play Kamara that often. What do you think about the Saints right now? Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add to that. I think their defense has played. In past years, their defense under Dennis Allen has had a tendency to start slow and then finish really, really strong in the back half. But their defense has come out playing pretty well early on and that has allowed them to play continue to play low volume offense they have the fewest pass attempts in the nfl by a margin of 11 um i mean it's not just you know it's like there's 31 teams and then there's a gap and then there's the saints at the bottom in terms of their pass volume yeah giants had some injuries man 
Sterling Shepard went down with a hamstring injury. Darius Slayton went down with a hamstring injury. They came into the game talking about rotating Kenny Galladay, but he had to play a lot because those guys went down. Good news for the Giants, if there is any, Saquon is obviously back. And Evan Ingram is back. Evan Ingram ran a route on 30 of Daniel Jones' 46 dropbacks. 17% target share for Evan Ingram was solid. I mean, if Shepard and Slayton can't play, they're going to need Evan Ingram. And we're talking about how we're scraping around for tight ends. I certainly have no confidence in Evan Ingram, but at least he's a talented, athletic dude. And if Shep and Slayton can't play, they're going to need Evan Ingram badly. So that would be on my radar for people who need tight end help very badly. 0-3 Giants. I mean, home loss to the Falcons. I mean, it's it's more big problems for them. Any thoughts on the Giants? Yeah, Evan Ingram came back. He had a couple drops last week. Uh, you know, he's getting booed in his first game back. But yeah, you're right. They're going to need him. I mean, they're, they're going to need him. I mean, I don't know. You know, these hamstring injuries are usually week to week situations, and that means like you usually miss one week. So, uh, but yeah, Barkley, 87 percent of the snaps, seven targets. We're we're back. He was an excellent buy low after the first two weeks. We knew he was going to start slow. Now I think we'll get going. Philadelphia Eagles laid an absolute egg down in Dallas on Monday night football. Uh, Jalen Hurts has dropped back 127 times this year, and Goddard and Ertz have pretty much split down the middle. 74 routes for Goddard, 71 for Ertz, kind of canceling each other out. Miles Sanders only two carries in this game. I mean, it, it was it was an ugly game, and there's no chance to get them going. But I think the point more is that Kenny Gainwell, when they get down big, Kenny Gainwell is in there. And now they play Chiefs. Panthers, Bucks, Raiders next. I mean, you know, Eagles' schedule is not easy coming up. What would you say to Miles Sanders' owners and anything else on the Eagles? Yeah, and they lost Isaac Sumalo, who had been playing really well uh, at left guard. He's done for the year. Brandon Brooks uh, is out, I think, for at least most of the year. They, can at least, they could at least replace him with Landon Dickerson. But now they're without their two first-team guards. So it's happening again. In Philadelphia with the offensive line injuries, that's something that, you know, entering the season, they could say, hey, we have a badass offensive line. You know, all of a sudden they don't have a badass offensive line anymore. Jalen Hurts has remained, you know, even through ups and downs, really good in fantasy. Even last week, he's been a top 10 fantasy quarterback in each of the three weeks so far. San Francisco 49ers, Brendan Ayuk was back, baby. I mean, you know, there are people out there saying that, uh, you know, they, Kyle Shanahan said Sherfield's going to be in there forever. Jimmy G, Jimmy G dropped back 48 times on Sunday night. Brandon Ayuk ran 44 routes. Trent Sherfield ran two. So, like, Brandon Ayuk is back. He did drop a touchdown. I, it was a tough catch, but I think he should have caught it. They do get the Seahawks next. Seahawks are getting absolutely shredded on the ground right now. We don't know what's going to happen at running back. Eli Mitchell could be back, but Trey Sermon was the guy on Sunday night. What do you think out of Sermon and anything else on the 49ers heading into the Seahawks game? Yeah, Trey Sermon had a, a rough game. Um, he wound up scoring a touchdown, so if you started him, you got a little bit of you know a little bit of production there. But he looked very confidence lacking and tentative uh, as a runner. And they used Kyle Juszczyk a ton. Um, you know, that, that's a, a show of lack of faith and confidence in Trey Sermon. I think that once Elijah Mitchell gets back, he should probably be the guy. But I also think that at the same time, we should be anticipating um, like a musical chair situation in the 49ers backfield the rest of the way. That's Kyle Shanahan has, has run things like that, you know, and uh, they got a bunch of dudes and, I don't know. I, I would think about stashing Jeff Wilson. I mean, I do think it's a backfield worth chasing because there mm -hmm. can be a lot of production in it. 
but you can't expect reliability. I, I thought that um, there was a chance that when they came out for the second half that they might go to Trey Lance because Garoppolo struggled in the first half. They did not. Garoppolo played really well uh, in the second half. That's the best that I've seen him play in, in a long time, um, how he played in the second half. So another week, another Jimmy Garoppolo start. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's really not Jimmy G's fault they lost that game. Defense just couldn't stop Aaron Rodgers late Seattle Seahawks. I think Chris Carson was banged up, maybe like needed an IV or was sick in this game. But still, I'm worried about his pass game role. I mean, only two targets for Chris Carson on Russ Wilson's last 63 attempts. Travis Homer has been in there for a lot of the pass downs. And if you're not going to give Chris Carson 20 carries in a game and you're not really going to target him in the pass game, it's just tough for Chris Carson right now any thoughts on him and any thoughts on the Seahawks yeah well I think the first thing that stands out from a team level from a team level here with Seattle is uh, that they are not running a lot of plays like we had anticipated or at least that that Shane Waldron had said that they would uh, the new offensive coordinator um, Russell Wilson has 23 31 and 32 pass attempts through three games, only 32 total rushing yards. Um, They are last in the league in offensive plays run. And that certainly, that can just contribute to, you know, I mean, it does contribute to a lessening in volume for everyone. Russell Wilson has been able to get there still with extreme efficiency. I mean, they are humming, Mm -hmm. you know, when, when they do have the ball but they're not having the ball very much and their defense uh, isn't getting it back to them. Uh, their defense is terrible. Tim Bay Bucks. Uh, Gio Bernard heard his MCL in this game, which I think is notable because Tom Brady checks down to running back so often. And so I have a lot, a lot, a lot more optimism for Leonard Fournette than I do for Ronald Jones. Leonard Fournette is the one that is ahead on pass downs. He got three catches in that game against the Rams. So that's at least an injury to watch. I don't love starting Bucks backs, but if Gio were to be out, I do think Lenny would have the pass game role. We saw Godwin and Mike Evans predictably have good games with Antonio Brown out. What'd you see out of the Bucks loss to the Rams? Yeah, not a whole lot to add to that. Um, and yeah, Antonio Brown should definitely be back uh, in week four. I saw some people talking about how they saw him get dropped on their season long teams. He had a slow week two and then in week three, um, you know, he didn't play. Um, I think he's going to be he's going to be somewhat inconsistent because he's the clear number three. He doesn't play when they're running twelve personnel. You know, it's Evans and Godwin in there, so he's not a full time player. Uh, but he's going to he's going to deliver some big big weeks uh, going forward. All right, last team we're going to hit today in the NFC, the Washington Football Team, and this is disappointing, man. You know, I was really optimistic on Washington mainly because of their defense. Their defense has been getting shredded, and it's no shame in getting shredded by Josh Allen and this Bills offense, but still, man, like they just not not been doing it. I'm also disappointed in De'Ami Brown. I thought De'Ami Brown would have a big chance with Curtis Samuel out. That has not materialized. They do get the Falcons this week, Saints, Chiefs, Packers. You know, there's some, some potential shootouts there, but it's hard to be optimistic about Washington right now as a team, still like McLaurin, still like Gibson, but it's tough. Any optimism for you on Washington and what's going on with their defense? Yeah, McLaurin's target share is like 31% on passes from Taylor Heineke. So mm-hmm. I know he had, what, four for 62 scoreless this past week, but 
still running him out with confidence. He, the Tredavious white was all over him uh, in, in week, uh, in week three, he, he's going to, it's going to open up a lot against Atlanta. JD McKissick, you know, might've jumped the gun on him really having a, a big role. He's got one touch, nine touches and five touches in each of the first three games. I think that we're going to see an Antonio Gibson breakout week uh, against Atlanta. All right. That is going to do it for this NFC team by team run through. Hope you guys will join us for the AFC team by team in the next episode. For producer Luke, for Evan, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm -hmm.